105 of Shamley and on Batman. Tonight, Justin and I had the privilege to talk with Tim Seeley, the guy that has been doing Grayson for quite some time now. And unfortunately, his run with Grayson is coming to an end and he's moving on to work on Green Lantern. And we will get into that a little more later in the show. But Tim's work is, is well known and incredible it goes from Grayson to G.I. Joe he was on that huge list of dudes in Batman Eternal he's working on Hackslash he's worked for Image Dark Horse DC you name it he's all over the place I guarantee that if you are a fan of comic books you have read Tim Seeley's work um, really awesome down-to-earth dude Kyle unfortunately cannot join Justin and I tonight but uh, Justin and I go through Tim's career, his life, and what he plans on doing in the future. All kinds of great stuff. Um, we hop right into it. Justin just goes off with the question. Um, I hope you like it a lot. And enjoy episode 105 of Shailene on Batman with our special guest, Tim Seeley. We look back at artists or writers... Uh, introduction to the character of Batman, the world of Batman, Robin, Nightwing, all that. Where where does that begin for you? Is that like the 66 TV show? Is it a comic book? Is it the animated series? Is it Tim Burton's 1989 uh, Bat film? Where does it begin for you? Well, I mean, the first time I ever saw Batman, was, and, and for me, it's a lot of things, uh, but it, it's an action figure. Like a lot of things that I'm into is because of the toy first. But when I was a kid, um, I got like this little motorcycle guy. I was big into Spider-Man and I got little two packed motorcycle characters and there was a Batman and a Spider-Man. Um, and so I, you know, is instantly like, who's this guy? And, uh, yeah, then after that, it was the 66, um, TV show, which was in syndication and I loved. And then, um, I was like, as a kid, I was kind of a Marvel comics kid mostly because I had started on Spider-Man uh, when I was five years old. I, I like learned to read on Spider-Man comics. But then I think when I was probably about six or seven, um, I was picking up Batman comics pretty regularly. And then I think by the time the Tim Burton movie came out, I was kind of all in on Batman stuff. So um, I think I was getting like Batman and Detective and, there were like three Batman books at the time, and I think I was getting all of them. So, um, and then Nightwing came later, a little bit later than that. I think when I was fifteen or sixteen, I started reading Nightwing. And I was—I remember always picking up. Um, sorry, I live next to a train, so you'll be able to hear the train going. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I'm very urban that way. <laughs> um, but I just always remember, you know, the when we were kids. Um, the Batman title of the comic was kind of dark at the time, so when I was like 9 or 10, you know, it was, I think that's right around Frank Miller, um, Dark Knight Returns, and Year One and stuff. And so I was usually buying, like, they used to make these um, black and white 
digest size yep. Batman reprints. So I was always getting those. Like there was like the the best Batman stories or untold tales of Batman or all that sort of stuff. Like and they were you know maybe like late seventies Batman stuff. You know Neil Adams and Jim Aparo. Uh, so I was always reading that stuff. And I think you know that stuff was just a little bit slightly less adult. So it appealed to my ten year old sensibilities. What, was there uh, a point in your young adult life where you're like, you know what, after reading it or looking at comics or, or uh, TV show, where like, I want to get into this industry? Was there something that was like, I can do this? Oh, yeah. What? I mean, from the first time I picked up a comic book, I decided I was going to make it. So when I was five years old, I was doing, I was starting to draw comics like after having read Spider-Man. But that was always part of the deal. I don't know, you know, even from when I was a little kid. Uh, and when I was in third grade, we had to do book reports about, you know, like what we were going to do when we grew up, like little reports and stuff. I did comic book artist. Uh, I wrote to Marvel and got like a letter back, you know, explaining how how the industry worked to, you know, to a 10-year-old. But, uh, <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, I mean, so it was always the thing I wanted to do. You know, there was never a, I didn't go through any other phase. Like I was never like, I'm going to be a cop or I'm going to be an astronaut or I'm a, you know, whatever. It was always, I'm going to make comics. Like that was you know, my whole, like by the time I was 20 something, I was like, maybe I don't want to do this. And I was like, no, I, I've been saying it for my entire life. I kind of have to do it now. Yeah. At that point, like you have to, I, I want to go back a little bit. You, you said that uh, action figures had a lot to do with uh, your interests and, in, uh, as I was traveling down the internet highway, like reading some of your stuff and watching some stuff, I heard you bring up a story about how one of your first action figures was actually a Dick Grayson Robin. It was. Well, so it was a weird, in the, this is like 82 or something, maybe like 80, 81, 82. Uh, Sears catalog used to be like a big deal around my house because it had all the new toys in it, you know? Yeah. Um, it was the Sears wish book. And uh, I was looking through it and I told my mom I wanted for Christmas, I wanted the Spider-Man uh, Spider-Mobile. Uh, so she ordered me that, and it came with a little extra. It was a Mego plastic figure set, and it came with three extra figures. Um, and mine came with uh, Robin, Green Goblin, and Hulk. And I didn't get Spider-Man when I did my Spider-Mobile. So, <laughs> so uh, I had to like drive around with my... I mean, Robin was, you know, the obvious choice for the pilot of the Spider-Mobile. And Hulk was, like, his co-pilot, basically. And they fought Green Goblin. So that was the weird combo of action figures I had as a kid. So, yeah, and that, that was, like, one of my, you know, that was my earliest uh, exposure to Robin. That's crazy. It's like fate. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I always made the joke that when we, you know, when Tom and I were talking about doing this sort of uh, Dick Grayson as a spy thing, yeah. I had to do Spiral because I, I had to connect it back to him driving around in a webmobile. Like I had to, you know, I should have oh. actually at some point had them had a Spiral car, you know, like that they could drive around that looked like the Spider-Man Spiralmobile. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, when you were when you were younger growing up in in the comics, was was that was that something that was popular in your neighborhood or were you kind of like a lone wolf in that aspect where Oh, that's the guy that reads comic books. He doesn't want to play basketball or anything. Or, or was it just, was it kind of different? Did you have a crew? 
I mean, when I was a kid, no, I lived in the country. Um, okay. And, you know, so we had neighbors, and but they were like, you know, and we hung out and stuff, but like we just did outside kid stuff, you know, like shot yeah. BB guns and, and stuff like that. But my brother, I had two brothers, so uh, we were kind of a kind of crew in, in one house, you know, we kind of um, shared our collections and stuff. And we tried to do, my mom would buy us like maybe two or three books a week. And we would just try to make sure that we didn't get the same book so that we could read each other's books. Okay. Um, so we, you know, we were a comic kid household, but there was no one in my school who read comics when I was a kid. It wasn't until I got to junior high that I met other kids that read comics and that kind of blew my mind. So, uh, but yeah, it was always, it was always just me and my brothers and, you know, every once in a while my parents would find a little comic convention like Madison or Milwaukee or, yeah. or something. So now when you, when you got into junior high and you started realizing, Oh, I'm not the only one who's reading comics. Did you, did you, did you, do you have any like long lasting friendships from that experience that of reading comics with your friends where you kind of like text that like, cause me and me and Tom have known each other for like 15 years. Like we went to high school together and we would always talk about Batman. That's kind of like how our relationship has evolved into this podcast is we were always friends. We were always like, Oh, did you watch this or that from the animated series or Batman Beyond or this or that? That's awesome. Um, yeah, kind of, I mean, you know, uh, two of my good friends in high school uh, were, you know, people that, I mean, comics was like one part of it for us. I think it's mostly Dungeons and Dragons that, that tied us together because, yeah. you know, some of the kids that we hung out with, like, that went on to be like rockers and like, you know, they weren't as nerdy maybe necessarily, but they were into D&D. So it was like, for us, it was mostly the Dungeons and Dragons thing. Um, but there was the comic book contingent as well. But it, nobody like, None of my other friends sort of were as into it, maybe as as I was. <laughs> I don't think. I definitely I think they know. On, you know, like they, the comic book didn't bite them as hard, and they moved on. Yeah, I definitely know that feeling too. <laughs> <laughs> what What was it? Was Was it drawing, or was it like storytelling that that started to that you started to show first, or was it kind of a mixture of both? Um, I think it was, we didn't know the difference, you know? I mean, I think, uh, as like a lot of kids, to me, just, it was just making comics, like writing and drawing was the same thing. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times when my, when my brothers and I would sit around at the kitchen table with a pile of crayons and a bunch of paper my mom had stolen from work, um, <laughs> mostly it was like we were telling stories to each other, you know? Like, so, yeah. um, we would kind of draw these, like, epic space battles or dinosaur things or, you know, what if, you know, basically our, our own He-Man stories or G.I. Joe or Transformers, but it was always about the drawings were like a way of telling the story. So, uh, to me, to this day, like, I don't really, I don't draw for fun, really. Like, I draw comics, but I'm not super into drawing for drawing's sake. Like, I kind of need it to be about something, usually. Um, so, I think it's always kind of been the same for me. And then, you know, more so lately I've done it, but there, I didn't start out writing stuff other than comics, you know, like I didn't have a big urge to write a novel or write a screenplay yeah. when I was younger. I mean, I'm trying to do it now to sort of diversify and get out there, but to me it was always the comics, making comics was the, the point, you know? So is there like a, is there like a box, like a secret treasure, treasure chest, a box in the basement of like Sealy Family Comics? 
it's not even in the basement. It's at my studio. Oh. In my, it's right next to my desk. So that is incredible. Really, uh, that is it's supposed incredible. to, I think, serve as like inspiration. You know, like when I get kind of stuck or um, you know jaded or yeah. whatever, it's it's good to pull out the weird comics I made as a kid as a reminder of you know why I started doing this, what I loved about it. That is really and cool. Also, yeah. So, but yeah, they sit right next to my desk. But I used, I actually did a book called uh, Tim Seeley's Action Figure Collection, which is just like a bunch of comics I did based on stuff from when I was a kid. You can get it from Image Comics right now. But uh, that's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, it's just like all that kind of stuff. That sort of pure kid crazy, you know, no no filter kind of story. So did you start like you said you you wrote uh wrote to Marvel was that was that always the company you wanted to, to work for before? or was, were you just like I just want to write comics so it didn't matter or was it, or was DC on your list before Marvel or um I don't know like I mean when I was like you know in third grade or something I wrote to Marvel because they were the ones that I had the address of in the back of the letters page you know uh, but I think from I think when, when I really decided I wanted to make comics, I think it was the image comics thing that really, that was the stuff I wanted to make. Cause I don't, I mean, I always liked, the, you know, the big two superheroes and stuff, but um, I think I spent from like 12 to, you know, 25, really just wanting to make my own stuff. Like I wanted to do, I, I wanted to have the kind of career that Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson had where, I just made a comic and I made my own comic every month. And yeah, I think that was always kind of model. I always thought it was like the original image guy, you know? Yeah. Do you remember the moment when you finally felt like you, you finally made it in the comics world? Uh, it's weird because I mean, I think if you work in this long enough, you kind of realize there is no, there is never that moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause you know, making it, I think kind of feels like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm just gonna do this, and I don't. You just never feel like that. I mean, every day is sort of a challenge to to stay relevant and sell books and get people to notice you. So, um, but I think I, you know, like there's moments. There's little moments like, um, you know, when I first saw my name in a GI Joe comic book, I thought that was pretty cool. Or um, I think when we first got the first issue of Hack Slash, and that was a pretty big high, like a pretty pretty high moment euphoric uh kind of thing that it's i've found hard to top since then because it, you know it's uh, it, seeing something you created completely whole cloth like everything you did you know come in in a box and 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 be a physical object is, is a pretty cool moment right yeah i can only imagine i you've done you've done so many so many cool things in your career you, you just brought up gi joe uh, but we try to stay kind of towards batman centric on this podcast but let's talk about nightwing because i mean probably arguably it's probably one of the bigger characters you've done batman and stuff but like your nightwing run your grayson run nightwing it's it's incredible i do you remember how you got on board working on Nightwing, how, how everything come together? Yeah. Um, also, I had done the book Revival for Image Comics. Right. Um, and I'd written that one, and I think before that, people kind of thought I can only write like a exploitive, 
kind of silly book, but like I did Hackslash, but um, but for revival kind of made people go, hey, this guy might have some other skills maybe. Um, so I got a call at San Diego Comic Con uh, to meet with Mike Martz, who was the Batman editor at the time. And he said, hey, I've been hearing some good things about Revival, and uh, Scott Snyder was kind of pushed me in your direction, and so he wanted to talk to me, so we had a meeting, and uh, he, had, he just kind of called me up the next day after we had some cocktails and said, uh, how would you feel about working on a weekly Batman book? Like, oh, shit. Um, so that <laughs> ended up being Batman Eternal, and that was yeah. his job, and James Tynan, and uh, Kyle Higgins, and, and uh, John Lehman. And in that uh, room, when I would, we would go to New York, have these big meetings where we work on Batman stuff, uh, try to plan this massive story. Um, and Katie Huber was one of the editors we were working with, and um, I would always pitch these things that were like, like basically like sexy Batman stories. Like I, I always thought it would be fun to do like, you know, Batman's always so grim and and, and like I, I kind of wanted to do like. The sort of 70s globe trotting, Razal Ghoul punching Batman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, like, I, I wanted him to be like grim James Bond, kind of, you know? Uh, and that totally was inappropriate for Batman. <laughs> but um, when Kate Huber was doing the new Nightwing series, um, they were kind of looking for just whatever, they needed something new. They wanted to try something else. So, uh, Internally, DC said, well, what if we did it as a spy book? So I got this email from Katie that just said, what would you do with Nightwing as a spy? And it was a Friday, and she said, let me know by Monday. And it was like, you know, February, it was early February. And so I, I sent him this, this uh, idea that I had basically like last second. I could not think of anything. And then Chris Burnham was working in my studio at the time. Um, who was artist on Batman Incorporated? And he had a pile of uh, uh, photocopies of his pencils and his, his uh, pages from Batman Incorporated. He had the spiral logo um, on there. And I said, I love that. What is that? So he explained it to me. I was like, there we go. That's going to be Dick Works for a spiral. So we, I came up with this pitch um, and I, I emailed it to them and I waited for like a week and it was just killing me. I was like, I definitely did not get this book. And then I got the, the uh, call from Katie and she said, we want you to do it. But we also like this other pitch, and this guy was actually in the CIA, so he knows more about spies than you do. And they were like, do you want to work with him? And I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll make that work. And, you know, like, I, I just didn't know how that was possibly going to work. And I was, like, a little butthurt that, you know, that they felt like I had to, you know, team up. But then I started talking to Tom, and I think, you know, we kind of hit it off creatively right away, and I realized what an incredible talent he was. So we ended up doing Grayson together. Um which was a hell of a lot of fun. One of the best sort of creative experiences I've ever had. And then, you know, when Rebirth was coming around, uh, I, I just started hearing the whisperings, like, we're going back to Nightwing, which I was kind of bummed about. And I know, like, Tom and I kind of felt like we just hit a stride, but, um, right. you know, but I kind of, I understood, too. You know, I, one of the things that... Uh, that we had found out about Grayson was that it sold better than Nightwing as a series, but it sold less than Nightwing as a trade by like a lot. Oh. Um, because you know, for bookstores, they they would order a lot of uh, of Nightwing trades because it was really popular with like non comic book sort of crowds. But um, 
So, I mean, it made sense. So they had me come in and try to figure out a nightwing thing, and that was much harder. That was much harder for me than thinking of coming out with Grayson. So, um, but you know, we figured something out eventually, and it was it was tough for me to go backwards. But I think you know, I just had to make sure that the focus was on the character, which I think was something I was I was comfortable with the character. I was just not as comfortable with the world, you know. So you had. So going into how did okay, how did you feel about Dick Grayson Nightwing going into writing for him, and then how did that relationship between you and and Dick Grayson like change after you were working on him for a while? I mean, to me, the the original appeal when they said, you know, what would you do with Dick Grayson on the spot? was I did kind of feel like he was repetitive as Nightwing at the time. Like, the idea of... And I, and I read the Chuck Dixon stuff when I was in you know, high school and stuff, but I, I think I kind of felt like it, it just felt like doing... It kind of felt like they were trying to do a version of Daredevil to a degree. Like, you know, it was just like, his city is so rough. It's, it's even worse than Gotham, and... And there's a guy who's kind of like tank banded, but he's, you know, it, 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 it didn't feel like it was taking advantage of the strengths of the character. And I loved the character. I loved Robin. I loved, you know, Teen Titans Nightwing, but he's, he's slick, you know, cool Robin. Mr. Cool Robin. guy, he's yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's got Robin. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but I kind of always felt like the, the series, like him as Nightwing, didn't have a reason, really. Besides, everyone loves his character. He's great. Let's do something with him. And so Grayson was an attempt to give him a reason. And the reason was he's the guy who keeps the family together and who, you know, keeps Batman from being going too far. And now he's in a world where he can't be with his family and he has to be careful from make, letting everyone else around him go too far. So that was a reason to me. I got, I understood, you know, that was a way to go and utilize like this, the the interesting personality traits of the character. It was a way to utilize the history of the character, the relationships, and make something new. So I totally understood that. Um, and that I think was the struggle of coming back to Nightwing. That was okay. What do we do with this character who has struggled to have, you know, a unique place in the world as Nightwing by himself. Like, Nightwing works great in Teen Titans. Nightwing works great uh, with the rest of the Batman family. And Dick Grayson works great as Robin, and he works great as Spock. So how do we make Nightwing work, too? And that, that's, that's sort of an ongoing challenge, I think. Um, and I, you know, I, I gave it my all. Like, I, I definitely uh, try to think of new ways to play that identity, and new ways to you know, have his relationship with Bloodhaven be something different than Batman's relationship with Gotham. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, to me, it's, the character is so easy to write. Like, I can, I know what Dick's going to do. I know what he's going to say. I know what his outlook and everything is going to be. It's the challenges of putting things in front of him worthy of the character. Now, Today we're recording, it's uh, December 7th. Uh, 
yesterday, uh, number 33 came out, correct? Wait, yeah, right? 34. 34. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now, is that going to be your last Nightwing issue? It is. It is my last Nightwing. So, from what I understand, Sam Humphreys, who was writing Green Lantern, is you guys are kind of just going to pull a switcheroo, right? Yep, we traded. Very, like, we traded books. Yeah. Is, can, you, can you get into anything about that, or is it just kind of what it is? I mean, basically, you know, so the, the thing with Rebirth is we burned basically three years worth of books in about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it was basically just like, Towards the end of Nightwing, it was it was really hard for me to keep up with the pace and come up with the the kind of stories that I needed to you know to also coincide with like metal and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and I was getting pretty burnt out. I mean, like you know, and I worked on Dick personally for for three and a half years total. So um, you know, I mean, they kind of said, "Hey, do you?" We're, we're, we're thinking about maybe just doing like a little refresh on some of these books. Would you want to trade with Sam uh, for a while and, and just, you know, stretch some different muscles, you know? And I was like, yeah, actually that sounds pretty good. Uh, not something I would normally do, I guess, but um, I kind of felt like I'd said, I, once I knew I, I was going to do this wrap-up Raptor story, I kind of knew what I was going to do with it. So it made sense. I mean, but I, you know, I think, I think it said as much as I was going to say about the Nightwing identity. Like, I could definitely come back and do Grayson again. Yeah. Or if someone wanted to do, like, Robin year one, like, young Dick oh. Grayson and Robin, I could do it for the next 20 years. Um, but I think, you know, I'd said my piece on Nightwing, I think. That's fair. What do you look forward to bringing into the world of Green Lantern? Mostly, I, I just want, I want to do some new villains. I want to do, um, you know, like, I, I think the the cool thing about that book is it's completely unlimited. And, and you know, it, it's a superhero book, and it's a cop book. and it's, But it's also a book about, like, two brown people in America in 2017. So, like, yeah. all those things are interesting to me. Um, you know, and, and especially put them together, it's, like, even, even you know, a, a more fascinating title. And so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm kind of just right now I'm hitting it with, you know, trying to make up as many new, interesting villains and and kind of move away a little bit from lore and history, which I think Jeff did so well that I don't want to mess around with trying to be Jeff Johns and, and <laughs> trying to make history. You know, and, and, and like, that's what he does. You know, he builds up lore and legend. And I kind of want to just go like, okay, what's what are these guys doing in the future? Like, who... What's what's the, the the trajectory of these two characters going uh, into the future? That's very cool, man. So, so speaking of the writing process for you, how long? Let's let's say that in a given day when you're writing, how long are you at? You know, you know, at the I wouldn't say drawing board, but how long are you sitting there writing or typing or putting pen to paper when it comes to the scripts of comic book? So my process is pretty well established. 
largely because I did work on Rebirth. Uh, there's just not time for anything else. But my schedule is basically so on Monday, I go to the studio, um, I go about nine o'clock, I spend that day um, brainstorming. So I'm like writing stuff down. Sometimes I'll sit in a B bag chair or on the couch. Um, I'm just writing down all the ideas and scenes I want to see and maybe like some snippets of dialogue. I do it by hand usually um, in a notebook or, or, or whatever. And then by Tuesday, I have to start um, laying out beats. So like I'll, I'll take a, um, a line piece of paper. It has 20 pages written out. And then I put out what's on every page. And then by Wednesday, I start typing. Um, and I'm, you by Wednesday, I'm usually typing. I'll do like eight, eight and a half hours of shift. I try to get done six pages on Wednesday, six pages on Thursday, and six pages on Friday. Wow. Uh, and, or actually, it'll be eight pages on Friday because I have to get 20. And then I have to turn the script in on Friday. So um, that's usually the kind of rough schedule, like that's how long it takes me um, to get a book done. Sometimes I end up working a little bit on weekend, maybe, I, you know, that Sunday I'll do a little prep work because I know I'm going to have trouble getting the script done in that amount of time. But it almost always takes me five days to do a script, sometimes six. In uh, a really rare, sometimes I know exactly what's going on, I'll do a script in a day or two, and, and that's amazing, but it's so rare. Uh, Grayson one I did in one day. Wow. But everything, I think the longest it ever took me to do a script was I rewrote Nightwing for three or four, uh, like 16 times. Wow. So, so I mean, like, an average amount of drafts is three for me. Like, three, not complete restarts, but like, you know, I'll do some edits and turn into the editor, or I'll do my own edits on it. Um, but yeah, like night, I think it was Nightwing three was the one I, Nightwing three or four was the one I wrote the most, and that was like seventeenth draft. And on that seventeenth seventeenth draft, after you turned it in, were you still just not happy and wanted to change it again, or did you nail it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing is, like most of the time, uh, I turn it into the editor fairly confident. Or just knowing I need to get it in, and I because that that's the deadline, mm -hmm. and knowing that I'll come up with some stuff afterwards, or that uh, sometimes I'll do something knowing that the artist will have at least something to draw, and I'll go back in later and, and rewrite the dialogue, uh, which okay. is something you can do with comics. As long as you give rough dialogue, you can still tweak it. Right. Um, but you can't change the story, obviously, once the artist has written it like that or drawn it because it too, takes too long. So right. you get to live with what you uh, what you ask them to do. Um, but yeah, just in general, like that's my, you know, I know now how long it takes me to do stuff. Um, you know, it's it's a rare that it takes me much longer, and it's rare that it takes me a lot less time. Um, but I mean, like every once in a while, like on Last week, I got a call to do a story for Young Monsters in Love. It's like the DC horror Valentine's Day special. And I got the assignment on, on like a Monday night. And Tuesday, I had, I had written an entire eight-page story from scratch. And it was 
good and I no edits. I turned it in. It was done. Um, other times, I've written my first issue of my book, Imaginary Fiends, I think I wrote from scratch once. And then the version that I, you know, I mean, I wrote one and I threw it away and I started over. And then I did at least two or three more drafts after that. It took me like nine days. So it, you just never, it's hard to say. I mean, sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. You just have to believe that you'll get something. Like that's kind of the... The, the thing you have to do is believe you'll think of something. It may not be Eisner Award winning. It may not be the greatest thing you've ever done, but you'll think of something. That's that's interesting. Um, something I like to ask writers, other than the the stereotypical, how did you how did you get to where you're at? What's good advice? Because the only advice there that you can really pull from any good writer who's in like a position like you have where you're writing weekly is hard work. Like it's always hard work. That's what pays off. But along with the hard work, like what kind of rules do you give yourself for being creative the way that you, that you are? I mean, obviously there's not a lot of rules when you're being creative, but what do you try to focus on and like what drives you to be creative? Uh, mostly fear, I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I mean, for me, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I I like to make stuff up. I enjoy the last parts. There's, I think my biggest motivation is when it's good, it's really good. And there's a, sometimes when you're writing, you fall into this rhythm. I heard someone describe running sometimes where, like, and I've never had a run that was like this, but I've heard someone say, that sometimes when you're running, your legs go numb and you, you're breathing perfectly and you feel like you could run forever. And that's never happened to me in running, but it has happened to me in writing where sometimes you'll hit this sort of something and it'll be like this perfect moment. And the script is kind of great and all the dialogue feels right. And, it's, and like that feels so good and so pure that that's kind of what you chase, I think. Um, and it doesn't happen very often. In fact, it hasn't happened to me in a while. But um, but I think that's what you're chasing, that like, you know, that super satisfaction point that sometimes you have. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it is I'm, at this point, so used to doing this, I don't know what else I would do. So, you know, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like this, this need to sort of always try to get better and update my skills and and hopefully like you know get people to care about something like it's it's I don't know it's probably mostly a screaming panic really to, to be a to be a writer I think it's just the constant terror that you're not good anymore you know <laughs> wow well Tim as we begin to wrap this up uh, imaginary fiends you're working on that right now right. Yeah, it's my Vertigo series. Issue one came out two weeks ago, and issue two comes out in two weeks. That's incredible. And what else do we have to look forward from? Look forward to from the Sealy Camp. Is there anything that you got in the works? Yeah, man, I got I have all kinds of stuff in the works. But um, so Green Lanterns uh, every two weeks, and then uh, I've got um, my Vertigo book, Magic Fiends, every month. Uh, it's a six-issue series. It's really creepy. Uh, feel free to check that out. I have a series that I do for Image Comics 
um, Hackslash. Right now I'm sort of yeah. editing. Uh, there's a new series with uh, Teeny Howard called Hackslash Resurrection. Uh, I'm sort of just standing by and letting her do her thing on that uh, and doing covers on that. And then I'm doing Hellblazer uh, coming up. I do issues, uh, let's see, what do I do? 19, I think, through 20-something. That's six issues. I'm uh, doing covers for that as well. It's uh, my occult gangster epic. Nice. Uh, let's see. And then I have a book called Brilliant Trash from Aftershock that I'm working on with my brother, uh, Steve Seeley, and wow. uh, artist Priscilla Petrades. And it's sort of a cyberpunk superhero conspiracy story. That's uh, issue awesome. one came out three weeks ago, and I think issue two comes out in two weeks. And where can the folks out there find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Hackman Tim Seeley, and I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Tumblr and a bunch of other shit that I never ever used. <laughs> uh, I have a DeviantArt site that is uh, Cold Noble, and I have a, um, and I do use that sometimes. Um, yeah, but mostly Twitter. I, I hate it, but I'm on there all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? <laughs> I Tim Seeley, the great Tim Seeley, so much amazing work has come from your mind, and we really, really appreciate it. I can't wait to see what you do with Green Lantern, and I can't wait to catch up on all the Grayson. And I just thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. We really, really appreciate it, man. Sure, no problem. Anytime. That's it for episode 105 of Shanley and I'm Batman. And a huge thank you to Tim Seeley for coming on the show. It was it was a pleasure chatting with him and uh, hearing about his life and his work. Probably going to check out that Green Lantern myself uh, when he picks up on it. But uh Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Shanlian on Bat. You can follow Justin on Twitter at Batman Shanlian. You can follow Kyle at Looting Kyle. And you can follow me at Batman Baselap. Uh, Facebook Shanlian on Batman. All that stuff. And if you uh, like the show and like what you hear, you can always visit our Patreon by going to www.patreon.com forward slash podcast empire network. And uh, there we have some, some, some levels set up where for a small donation, as little as $1, you can get some perks back like early, early access to episodes or some, some lost episode stuff. Um, like these fine folks did, Cedric Ramos. I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you've heard us bring up Cedric. What's up, fam? Thank you so much. And our friend Ali Jezelbash, thank you so much for uh, for pledging some cash to the show and helping us out. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's it for episode 105 of Shailene on Batman. Thanks a lot. I am the night I have the night.